Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to join us here in this place this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. Simeon is an old man, Uh, but that's not the most important thing about Simeon. The most important thing about Simeon is that he's an old Jewish man. In fact, Simeon is one of my three favorite old Jewish men. Uh, the The other two being the comedians Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. And those guys might actually be the top two, honestly, not because of their comedy, which isn't actually always my cup of tea. No, they're my top two old Jewish men because Brooks has been going over to Reiner's house every night to watch movies since, wait for it, 1950. That's 70 years. They're still doing it. Reiner is 97 and Brooks is 93. So, of course, the young guy goes over to the older guy's house to watch movies every night. They're going to do it tonight. I couldn't love that anymore. We're, we're getting a late start, you and I, but if somebody wants to be my movie buddy for the next 70 years, I'm taking applications after the service. Jewishness is optional, but you have to be willing to commit to every single night. But we were talking about old Jewish men. The thing to understand about old Jewish men, especially Simeon, this particular old Jewish man that we meet in the Bible, the thing to know about old Jewish men is that they are typified by waiting. When we meet Simeon, he has been waiting his whole life for the Messiah. Now, of course, all Jews are waiting for the Messiah, but Simeon is waiting in a special way. Luke tells us that Simeon is righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. And then the kicker. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So this is how Simeon is waiting. Knowing what's coming, Simeon is waiting in a way that is so often impossible for so many people Today, Simeon is waiting in faith for God to accomplish something. Waiting in faith for God to accomplish something. Doesn't that sound nice? Wouldn't that be a great thing to be able to do easily? Why why is waiting in faith for God to accomplish something so foreign to our human experience? Well, The answer is we are usually unable, as much as we might like to, to wait like Simeon is waiting. Our faith falters. 
And we aren't satisfied with waiting on God to accomplish something. Instead, we decide that we must strive to accomplish something for ourselves. In a recent interview that I saw, chef and restaurateur Dan Barber, who's a chef in New York, was trying to explain why, despite his success, he is still himself physically cooking in his kitchen every single night, despite a wife and a new young child who need his attention. Why is it that he, unlike many chefs who have experienced similar success, why did he never create a formula to extricate himself from the daily grind? And as part of his answer, he tells the interviewer that there must be something, some need that's keeping him in the kitchen, some hole he's trying to fill. Part of this drive, he says, is to fill the hole left in his life when his mother died of cancer when he was only four years old. And this is what Dan Barber says exactly. Quote, A lot of this work is trying to fill some kind of sadness or something I didn't have in my life that I wish I had. A void. I don't know that a mother dying when you're that age ends up ever getting filled. Are we doing a lot of this because we have this void in our life that we're trying to make up for? You know, we build a restaurant and there's always this unconscious thought of who's going to come into the restaurant. So is building a restaurant a way to get our mother back to the table? That could be part of it. But then he reflects more broadly on the human experience of void filling. Isn't our life, he asks, one attempt to fill a void after another? I don't know if I'm succeeding or not, but I'm trying hard. Who knows where this stuff originates and where it ends? I don't know. And then he leans back and sighs and says, Oi. And Aya and I were sitting on the couch watching that, and I turned to her and said, Somebody invite that man to church. I mean, has there ever been a more accurate and exhausted oi? Did you hear what he said? Isn't our life one attempt to fill a void after another? I don't know if I'm succeeding or not, but I'm trying hard. Who knows where this stuff originates and where it ends? I don't know. You can see the difference between Dan Barber and Simeon, right? Simeon waits in faith. Dan Barber strives in faithlessness. His pain and existential angst come from the fact that he's striving and there's no end to it. He's trying to fill a hole that's not getting filled. He can't wait in faith. He doesn't have any. As he puts it, he doesn't know where this stuff comes from or where it ends. So he has to keep working and working and working. But not Simeon. Simeon can wait. He knows what's coming. He knows where it originated and where it ends. He has a promise to fall back on. His Savior has a name. But of course, to hear the name of your Savior, you have to understand what, that you need one. Now, I can't speak for Dan Barber specifically, but this is a big part of the contemporary problem 
We are conditioned by everything in this world to think that we ought to be saving ourselves. But as Dan Barber is finding out, that's not actually possible. And to understand this, listen to a phrase that is repeated several times in our reading about Jesus's presentation in the temple. This is from Luke. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This whole operation is being done according to the law of the Lord. This is an act of obedience. The law of the Lord is mentioned three times in this one sentence, according to the law of the Lord. This is an acknowledgement of a holy God who deserves such submission and duty and who has promised a salvation. This is the context in which Simeon is waiting. Old Jewish men knew about this. The prophets had been paving the way for the Messiah by proclaiming God's law. In other words, they paved the way for the Messiah by telling the people that they needed one. Remember the prophetic mandate. Prophets came and reminded the people of God's truth, showed them their failure to live up to it, and called them to repentance. But they also promised that God would save them. One day, a Messiah would come. One day, they assured these sinners, your nation will be rescued. And this story, this One day a Messiah would come. Story was shared around Jewish dinner tables and in synagogues and at bedtime and on holy days as the people waited for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is hard to imagine for us today with on demand everything. Is there anything that you can't order on your phone and have delivered to your house via drone? Clothes, food, movies, sex, literally all of these things can be delivered to your home. Not all via drone, but that's coming soon. The idea of a people being told to wait and then waiting for centuries boggles the modern mind. And that, that oi that Dan Barber feels, that hole he's trying to fill, his Void is similar in feeling to the experience of God's people waiting for their Messiah. But there is a great difference. God's people had a promise to hold on to. And now the boy Jesus is brought to the temple for his presentation. And Simeon is there. The moment has come. All of you baseball fans out there will have heard of the curse of the Bambino. In the 1910s, 
The Boston Red Sox were one of the most successful franchises in all of baseball, winning the first World Series and winning five over the course of just those 10 years. And one reason for their success was their best player, Babe Ruth. But then, in the offseason of 1919-1920, they sold Babe Ruth for $125,000 to the New York Yankees. And after the sale, they seemed cursed, going without a title for nearly a century as the previously last lackluster Yankees became one of the most successful franchises in all of sports. The curse of the Bambino was finally broken in 2004 when the Red Sox beat the Yankees on their way to their first World Series title in 86 years. And the year after they finally won the World Series, a book came out written by a diehard Red Sox fan entitled, Now I Can Die in Peace, How I Found Salvation Thanks to the World Champion Red Sox. This is Simeon's book, Now I Can Die in Peace, How I Found Salvation Thanks to This Child Born to Save Me from my sins. Master, he prays to God, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. In the same way that the prophets paved the way for the Messiah by relentlessly and faithfully proclaiming the law of God to God's sinful people, that proclamation of the law paves the way for the gospel. Remember that Jesus' presentation in the temple was all about obedience to the law. Every step of the process was an obedient one. And this was just the very beginning of Jesus' full lifetime of complete Obedience, shown even here in the obedience of his family, his obedience, his lifetime of perfect obedience is what makes him able to save us, the disobedient. From our reading from the letter to the Hebrews, therefore he, Jesus, had to become like his brothers and sisters, us, in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those of us who are being tested. He had to become completely human to be able to stand in our place. And he had to be completely obedient in order to atone for our sins. And he did it. All the generations of waiting are over. It was finished. Simeon, whose eyes had seen God's salvation, could die in peace. His eyes and his arms had held the salvation of the world. 
Someone needs to invite Dan Barber to church so that he can hear the good news that Simeon proclaimed then and that I proclaim to you now. We all have holes in our hearts, voids in our lives. We are trying to fill them one after another. That is the human predicament. And outside of faith, there is no end to our striving. We normally talk about waiting in Advent, but the waiting in Advent just typifies our entire lives. Look at Simeon and Dan Barber. Barber has been striving for his whole life. Simeon has been waiting for his whole life. But one is redeemed. One has faith in a promise. Dan Barber seems to be trying to save himself. While Simeon is waiting for God to keep his promise and save him. One of them is seemingly never satisfied, working and working and working, and one of them can die in peace. Striving never leads to satisfaction. A savior always does. Martin Luther names this exact phenomenon in his Heidelberg Disputation. The law says do this and it is never done. Grace says, believe in this and everything is already done. In other words, striving says, do this and it is never done. A savior says, believe in this and everything is already done. Simeon has an announcement for Israel, for the nations, and for you. Believe in this. That the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has come. And there is no need to search. No need to strive. Striving will never satisfy. But God has kept his promise. Everything is already done. And now we can live and die in peace. Our eyes have seen the salvation of the world. Jesus has come, and he has come to save. Amen.